In its quest to provide an open forum for discussion of controversial issues, this station allows hosts and their guests to express themselves without any significant censorship. You are advised that any view expressed by the host or their guest are not necessarily the views of the owners or management of Toginet Radio, Togi Entertainment, or the Owners Group, Inc. us on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the everyone and welcome to another edition of Ghost Chronicles International. I am Ron Colet, your host, the gatekeeper to the realm of the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable New England's own Van Helsink. And with me is not Mr. Richard Felix. Uh, seems his phone lines are down. I don't know if that's got something to do with socialized medicine up there, but uh, I blame everything on that. But anyways, I got a great show for us tonight. Um, I am very, very lucky to have a man who I consider the expert on the crystal skull, and I know he's not feeling too good, so I'm going to bring him right on, Mr. Chris Martin. Uh, good evening, Ron. How are you? Kind of a rushed-up uh, intro. I'm sorry about that. No, no problem. Now, now, Chris, how did you ever get interested in the, the crystal skull? And, of course, uh, you've written two books, by the way, uh, Mysteries of the Crystal Skull and the, the new one, which I do not recall in the title for. Yeah, the, the first one was The Mystery of the Crystal Skulls, and the one that's just come out is uh, 2012, The Secret of the Crystal Skull. So that's kind of a follow-up. Although I have to say this, the first one's factual. The second one is fiction based on fact. Really? So take your pick. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like the... the it's like a, an archaeological detective story and a, a, like a dark supernatural thriller based on the facts about the real-life crystal skull. Oh, sweet. So it's kind of, it's kind of a bit, it's very roughly speaking, in the sort of Da Vinci Code vein, but it's a bit more sci-fi than that as well. So it's kind of, it's, 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 it's archaeological, it's supernatural, and it's sci-fi. Well, all my favorites, so there you go. Just throw the section in, it's perfect. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Anyways, uh, how did you, you know, come to get involved with the Crystal Skull to start with? Well, well, it was, it was in, entirely by accident, actually, that we came across Crystal Skulls. My partner and I, because the books are written by myself, Chris Morton, and my partner, Carrie Louise Thomas, we were actually uh, on holiday in Central America, having, you know, a big kind of holiday of a lifetime. And we were exploring the ancient Mayan ruins deep down in, in, the, in the rainforest of Guatemala. And we were at an amazing place called Tikal. I don't know if any of your uh, listeners have ever been there. Beautiful place. Uh, ancient ruined Mayan city, completely still covered in rainforest. And, and, you know, and we, we were... Um, that, we, we were climbing up one of the pyramids there where you can look out across the rainforest from way up above the treetops. And uh, we saw carved in the side of one of the pyramids a, a skull image. So we asked our guide what this was about. You know, was this like a human sacrifice thing or a trophy of war or whatever? He said, well, he thought it might actually have more to do 
with the crystal skulls, with the crystal skulls of legend. Mm -hmm. And we'd never heard of them at this stage. And this was uh, well, maybe 15 years ago now. And we said, uh, you know, we wanted to know more. And he said, well, that there was apparently an ancient Mayan legend, an ancient Native American legend that says that there are, in fact, 13 crystal skulls, just like human skulls, the same size and shape as human skulls, but made somehow from solid crystal. And these skulls were said to, they were said to have movable jaws and that they could speak or sing. Now, according to the legend, these skulls were the source of great knowledge, of, of information and wisdom, and they were left behind by the earliest ancestors way back in the mists of time. They were said to contain information about the past history of the planet, the evolution of humankind, and above all, vital information about our true purpose and future destiny. And the legend also prophesied that one day, at a time of great need, at a time of great crisis for humanity, that all of these crystal skulls would be rediscovered and would be brought back together again to reveal their information, which um, the Native American elders actually they believe is, is information that's vital to the very survival of the human race. Um, but the legend also warned that <clears throat> when that time arrived, uh, human mankind had to be sufficiently prepared sufficiently evolved both morally and spiritually because apparently the information the skulls contain could also be greatly abused. Oh, wow. So we were absolutely fascinated. <laughs> I mean, we'd never heard anything like this. But, you know, we just took, we didn't take it too seriously to start with. We thought it was uh, legend. just an old legend and, and a very interesting one, but, but just a colorful story, really. Um, like, uh, say, King Arthur and his Knights of the Round Table or whatever, although there may well be some truth in that. But the what was really interesting is we continued our journey through Central America. We found out that an actual crystal skull, you know, really did exist. They'd really been found deep in the rainforest way back, actually, in 1924. So that was it. We were, we were determined to find out more. We were actually, um, we, were, we found out about it. We were just in a, in a bar in a little, uh, on a little coral island in um, <laughs> in a place called Belize, which used to be British Honduras. Right. And we were just chatting to the barman, you know, and he was talking about how it had been a haven, Belize had once been a haven for pirates. They used to hang out there behind this barrier reef where they were, you know, safe from the from the Navy. And um, <clears throat> he, he didn't know how to navigate past the, the, the coral reefs. So, and, and we said, well, if there were pirates here, has any buried treasure ever been found? And he said, well, he wasn't aware of any uh, buried you know, like a treasure chest or anything ever having been found washed up on the shore, but that there was something that could be considered uh, an ancient treasure that had been found, as I say, deep in the rainforest way back in the 1920s. And, of course, that, we were amazed to hear that, that to find out that this was actually a crystal skull. In fact, the most famous of the crystal skulls, the Mitchell Hedges crystal skull. Mitchell that, Hedges. Uh, yeah. Now, you've d I know that you've done a, a couple of uh, TV shows on it. Mm -hmm. I, I know I saw one, I think it was on the Travel Channel, the Top Ten Mysteries, I believe. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah which is always intriguing. Um, how many of the actual skulls have been discovered so far that, that you're aware of? Well, there are actually a number of crystal skulls now. I mean, there, there is well, no yeah, but some of them uh, they believe are fabricated, correct? Yeah, I mean, there's there's no denying that there are some modern skulls out there. In fact, there's quite a few. In fact, there's a, there's a trade in modern skulls. Um, but but what what we found most interesting was that there are actually a number of skulls that may well be of ancient origin. And there's one uh, the, the, I was going to tell you first, really, about the Mitchell Hedges skull. This is the one that, that we heard about in Belize. And 
it was found by the daughter of a, of a British explorer, adventurer explorer, a man named uh, Frederick Mitchell Hedges. And he was like your archetypal sort of British adventurer explorer back in the 1920s. He, he was a kind of flamboyant, charismatic, aristocratic character. He was, he was um, many say he was actually one of the role models for, uh, for the Indiana Jones character. And of course, our first book, The Mystery of the Crystal Skulls, also inspired the Indiana Jones movie that, that many people have probably now seen. But basically, he, he was... Um, quite an unusual character. He was a member of the Maya Committee of the British Museum, but he was also quite unconventional in his views, and he, he actually believed that Atlantis was a real civilization that had actually existed, and, and that it had existed in, in the part of the world that we now know as, as uh, the Caribbean, the Central American islands, and that although the main island of Atlantis itself had sunk beneath the waves, uh, when the last ice age ended, we know that sea levels rose, and he believed that the Atlantis civilization had disappeared there, but that its remnants, that some of, some of the survivors of Atlantis mm-hmm. had actually fled the island before it went under and had taken their wisdom and their knowledge and their belongings with them to what is now uh, Central America, to Mexico, Guatemala, and Belize. And that, that, that was really why, why the Mayan civilization had appeared so, so suddenly and so highly developed, and as if some, from nowhere, way back, you know, um, before the time of Christ. Um, and he was actually determined to prove this. So he actually wanted to find concrete evidence of the lost civilization in Central America. And so he gathered together this whole party of explorers uh, that set sail from Liverpool in 1924, and they were set off for British Honduras. And they were exploring the jungle uh, interior there, when they stumbled upon some mounds of stone, all overgrown with moss and roots and foliage, and they they pulled, you know, hacked away at the uh, the roots and branches, and realised that they'd actually uncovered the remnants of what had once been a, a, a lost city, an ancient lost city, known actually already known to the local people as Lubantun, which is a Mayan word that means the city of the fallen stones, and they they set about excavating the ruins. And um, his adopted daughter, a woman named Anna or Sammy, Anna Mitchell Hedges, she actually, um, one day, she was determined to climb to the top of the highest pyramid, uh, which she was, she was forbidden to do. But one day, when everyone was asleep in their, in their hammocks, um, she set off and climbed up there, and she said she was convinced there was... Just like a woman, right? <laughs> you got it. <laughs> Tell them to do it, and they'll do it. <laughs> exactly. She waited until the, the, the siesta, whatever it was. There you go. <laughs> and she said she was convinced that there was something deep down inside the pyramid. And she, she rushed home and, well, rushed back to the camp and told her father. And, and uh, they didn't believe her, but they said they didn't believe her. But the next day, he gathered together this party of men and they cleared away the stones from the top of the pyramid. And eventually, they, they found this secret passageway going down inside it and Anna was the only person small enough she was tied had a rope tied around and she was lowered down into the pyramid and she told us all this story herself before she died and um, <clears throat> she was lowered down deep down into the pyramid and she scrabbled around and found this smooth object wrapped in a shirt she was pulled back up out of the pyramid as she emerged into the daylight everyone was amazed to see that what she'd found was actually a real beautiful crystal skull in fact the most beautiful 
of all the crystal skulls that are known. Because it's incredibly anatomically accurate, the Mitchell Hedges crystal skull is. Uh, the interesting Almost thing. entirely transparent with a separate lower jawbone, just like the legend said. Sorry, come. Uh, the, the interesting thing about it is that not all skulls are the same, so it's not like 13 identical skulls. Each one is different. Oh, they're all very different, yeah. I mean, as I say, the Mitchell Hedges one is incredibly anatomically accurate, even right. with a lower, separate jo lower jaw, which I'll tell you a bit more about in a minute. But we also found out, you know, which amazed us, that, that there were other skulls in some of the world's leading museums. I mean, there's a skull in the British Museum in London, very similar to the Mitchell Hedges skull, but it doesn't have the separate lower jaw, and it's not quite so anatomically accurate. And then there's another skull, actually, in the Smithsonian Institute in Washington, and it's very different. Again, it's a very large skull, um, and it's not very anatomically accurate, but that one's unusual in that it's hollow on the inside. It's almost like a huge motorbike crash helmet that you can actually put your, you, can almost, you can actually put a whole human head inside it, and it would surround your skull, and you know, it's, it's huge. Um, and there's several other skulls in private collections around, around the world. So, so we were thinking, well, the legend said there are several ancient crystal skulls. Well, it looks as though there are. <laughs> so, so um, and it turned out actually that, that the Mitchell Hedges skull had actually been uh, tested by Hewlett Packard, the computer company, mm -hmm. and they, they were amazed. They, they were trying to determine how old it was, and, and they actually couldn't work it out because one thing about crystal is you can't carbon date it because there's actually no carbon in it. It's, it's pure silicon dioxide, um, and there's no carbon. You can't carbon date it, so they. they tried to look for tool marks to see how it was made, and they, they couldn't find any. So they were absolutely mystified. And the leader of the team at Hewlett-Packard said, look, this skull shouldn't even exist. And all they could have deduced was that it had been made by hand, and they said this would have taken several generations of, of, to carve. You, you know what's interesting, Chris, is that yeah. there are always somebody coming up and saying, well, there's evidence now that we're machined. We've found machine, machine marks on it. Now, as far as I know, uh, on, the, on the, uh, the one we were talking about, there are no marks, but uh, there's always reports that surface that, oh, this one's been faked because it's machined. Well, we, we, well the funny thing is that the, the machine argument doesn't, well, the, 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 what it is is we brought together several skulls for scientific tests with the Smithsonian and the British Museum at, at the British Museum, and what they found with the British Museum skull was that there were some, some what they call wheel markings on the teeth. Mm -hmm. Now, there's two things here. Uh, they thought this meant that the skull was probably more modern, probably Victorian, like 1850s or so. And so on. And that may be the case with that particular skull. Um, but also, even with that one, it's perfectly possible that the teeth, because they look quite different from the rest of the skull, if you see it, that they were kind of retouched later uh, by a machine. Or the other thing is this, that um, if we actually spoke to some uh, expert Mayanologists, so the professor of Mayan studies at Yale University, uh, who's recently retired, but his name's Professor Michael Coe, and he said that finding tool wheel markings on the skulls doesn't actually prove anything that they were modern at all, because the ancient Maya actually used wheel to carve. They found uh, some kids' toys uh, that date to about 3000 BC that are actually from the Mayans' predecessors, the Olmecs. And it showed two things. A, that they had the wheel, because they were children's toys that had wheels on the bottom. They were like little animals with wheels at the bottom of their legs. So A, they had the wheel, and B, they actually found like ear spools and so on that were actually carved using a wheel, a, a wheel carving implement. So that um, test that, that suggests that, that a wheel has been used, and some have said that means the skulls are modern, 
uh, don't actually prove that they are because the ancient Maya and the ancient Aztecs, who's another organ, uh, you know, ancient uh, civilization that had the skull in all of their artworks, um, and, and the Olmecs before them and so on, they, they used the wheel for carving. So, so the, the, the results of the test are pretty inconclusive, really. So, so it still remains very hard to know exactly how old the skulls are. But what, another thing that's really interesting about the skulls, and like the Mitchell Hedges skull, for example, one of the things that the, the team at Hewlett-Packard could work out was that the lower jaw was made from the same piece of crystal as the, as the cranium, the separate cranium. And at one time, there's a grain in the crystal, a natural grain structure, a, like, a bit like rings on a tree. So they could see that it had at one time been part of the same rock. You know, and um, they said the incredible thing is that the crystal is so hard to carve. It's only slightly softer than diamond. And it also has a tendency, it's very brittle, so it has a tendency to fracture. So if you carved it with any kind of power tool, the, the delicate lower jaw would almost certainly shatter into pieces. In fact, we met crystal carvers, modern-day crystal carvers in Germany that have been trying repeatedly to try and replicate the, the Mitchell Hedges crystal skull, and they, they said they can't do it. Every time they try and carve that lower jaw, the, the crystal fractures. Wow. Uh, because it's so delicate, and if you use these power tools, then it, it fractures into pieces. So, so, but the, the other also interesting thing that the Hewlett-Packard team discovered, they couldn't work out how old the skull was, but they could work out that it was made from a particular type of crystal, what they call piezoelectric silicon dioxide, which is the scientist's way of saying it's made from quartz crystal of the type of the ty- same type of quartz uh, crystal that we now use in our mobile phones, televisions, radios, computer watches, chips. computers. I mean, the, 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 the heart of the computer is this tiny little silicon quartz crystal silicon crystal chip. That's really where we now store all our vast amounts of information. And if you think how much we store on these tiny little crystal chips, just how much information, if the, the ancient legend is right, that the, the skulls are stores of great information, just think how much information might be stored in there if, if we can, you know, if we're storing this vast amount in these tiny little crystal chips, how much information might be stored inside a crystal skull or several crystal skulls. Right. So um, the mind boggles, really. I mean, <clears throat> the other interesting thing is that the uh, ancient Native American elders that we spoke to about the crystal skulls, they said that the crystal skulls actually provide like a doorway into another dimension. Now, it takes a bit of getting your head around, and you think, what kind of nonsense is that when you first hear it? But then if you, what, when they tried to explain to us, they said that the crystal is a type of material that can help us to see or communicate with what they call the parallel, the, the other worlds, what we, they, they say, might call the parallel universes that quantum physicists now talk about. And if you think, another interesting thing is that, in a way, if you think about it, we are already using this type of crystal to communicate with the parallel world, the cyber world. You know, if you think about the information, as I was talking about, the information we now store on our computers on the Internet, it takes up no physical space uh, other than, you know, this crystal that allows us to access this information. Um, it's almost as though we are accessing, a, a, you know, a virtual world alongside our own, one that we can't see or touch, except with the help of a piece of crystal inside a computer. So in a way, the legend that said that we would use these skulls, that these skulls can be used to access information and to communicate with other worlds, is already, in a way, already coming true. So now, this, does this, I know you have the fiction book about 2012. Are we leading to that point where 2012 perhaps is the 
the magic date when this is supposed to occur? Well, the interesting thing about 2012 is that, I, as most people probably know from the film that, that uh, you know, our work has inspired, um, that uh, you know, the, the, the ancient Maya actually prophesied, well, they made a number of prophecies, a, that, uh, about the future. In fact, I mean, the ancient Maya were in possession of this incredibly accurate calendar, which they used to make these prophecies. I don't know if you know about the, the ancient Mayan calendar. Yeah, the ends of 2012. Yeah, well, well, yeah, sure, but it was also, it's not just like an arbitrary cal calendar like ours. It's, um, it's based on the actual movements of the planets and the stars Correct. relative to the Earth. Right. So it, the, the, the ancient Mayan calendars, the date tells you not just uh, when today is, but where today is. So, um, because like I say, they, we, we have just like a, the solar calendar, you know, the Earth rotating around the sun every 365 days. That was just one of their calendars. They had another 16. You know, they had the lunar calendar as well. They had a calendar for Mars, a calendar for Venus, which is very important. They also had calendars based on, on the Earth's relation to various star clusters, in particular like the Pleiades or the Seven Sisters. And so their calendars, when put together, were like a series of interlocking cycles, what they call cycles of time, that actually track the movements of our planet relative to the other planets and stars um, and tell us where we are in the solar system. And, the, the, of course, the worrying thing about, about this calendar is that it was used to make incredibly accurate predictions. For example, eclipses. They could predict eclipses they couldn't even see that were happening on the other side of the world, or uh, eclipses that actually happened way after their own civilization collapsed and disappeared. They predicted an eclipse, for example, that happened over Mexico City as recently as 1992, and they got it right down to the day. And now, of course, the really worrying thing is that they predict that, quote, the current world will end precisely at sunset on the 21st of December in the year 2012, now less than three years away. Mm -hmm. And, of course, this is a certain cause for a certain amount of alarm, given that their other predictions came true. Um, and, uh, I mean... Uh, the, but, the other, I mean, a lot of that, some people say it's really not necessarily the end of the, the world, but actually a rebirth of the world. Well, yes, but the question is, the Maya have always said at the end of any cycle of time, because they call it the end of the cycle of time, or the end of the current sun, or the end of the current world is a good, best translation, um, the, the big question is whether or not humanity will survive through to the next world. I mean, slightly alarmingly, the Maya have had uh, believed that the world has been created and destroyed several times in the past. Right. Uh, and, and this finds support in our own scientific fossil records. If you look at the, uh, this planet since the Cambrian era, there have been the four previous worlds that the Maya talk about. They talk about four previous worlds that have been created and destroyed. And they referred, for example, to the first world or the first sun as having been ruled over by giants who were destroyed by fire from the sky. And this can translate as the giants, as the, as the dinosaurs, dinosaurs, the heroes of the, the dinosaurs. Yep. And they were destroyed by fire from the sky. Well, we now think that the, uh, the comet that the, um, the, the, the created on meteorite impact, that created the Chicxulub crater in Mexico, which is where the Maya lived, um, that that actually is what wiped out the dinosaurs. So they were giants that were ultimately destroyed by fire from the sky, by a meteorite impact uh, 65 million years ago that ultimately wiped out the dinosaurs. And then they have another world that was destroyed by, by a great flood, um, which fits in with the Bible, the tales of Noah and the ark and so on. And they said that the two, a man and a woman took refuge in a tree, uh, incredibly similar to the biblical tale of Noah and the ark. So 
and, and it, like what I was saying about our own fossil record, it actually supports the idea that life on this earth has sort of had periods where there's been no life, and gradually, very gradually, over millions of years, life has grown and blossomed, and there's been this diversity of species, and then there's a line in the sand when the total and almost total mass extinction, and then millions of years pass again before life gradually develops again and grows and blossoms and diversifies, and then. And that's happened, as I say, now four times since the Cambrian era. And we're now in what the Maya would call the fifth world. And we're very close to the end of it because, well, I mean, you're already kind of seeing mass extinctions. That's the alarming thing. Um, regardless of planetary movements, just, just through what, what we human beings are doing on this Earth, we're seeing a massive extinction of species you know, right. all across the planet. And... Um, but, I mean, I've always wondered that. Yeah, we, we, okay, there's so much, like, save the whales and so forth. But maybe that is, is part of the natural order where, you know, this occurs to a, a means. Well, absolutely. I mean, there's no denying that, you know, that planets and stars grow and die, you know, and, and you get meteor impacts that can wipe out Earth and, you know, life on a, on a planet or whatever. But the, the, what, what was interesting in our researching the crystal skulls is that we were actually invited to a gathering of Native American elders uh, deep in the rainforest down there in Guatemala. And it was, a group, it was tribal elders coming together to discuss their prophecies for the future, the immediate future, and the reemergence of the crystal skulls. And what was interesting in talking to them is that, I mean, if you actually look at the Mayan calendar, there, there are some very worrying uh, predictions about what the planets will be doing in a couple of years' time. But they said that also uh, we, we need to look at what we ourselves are doing. It's not just all out there beyond our control. Um, we we have to look at how the human species itself is behaving, and and there are unfortunately <laughs> it looks as though you know even if the planets don't wipe us out, then uh, we'll probably do a pretty good job of doing it ourselves. Right, but um, even, even <laughs> the Mayans themselves disappeared rather abruptly. Yeah, well, you see, they, that's, that's an interesting one because there's, there's this whole mystery about what did happen to the ancient Maya. Their civilization kind of seem to appear very rapidly, almost from nowhere, like, uh, like I say. And, and they evolved, you know, they reached these incredibly high standards of sophistication, these huge cities linked by roads. Uh, they had this incredible calendar, hieroglyphs. They were expert mathematicians, astronomers, scientists. And then just, you know, they seem to abandon their, their cities all of a sudden. Now, there's all kinds of arguments about why. I mean, the Maya haven't exactly disappeared. They're still there, but the right. Mayan civilization... You know, the Mayan descendants are still there, but living quite primitive lives, what we would call primitive lives, you know, in Central America. Um, and, um, you know, it, it's, that, it's that civilization that, that disappeared in the same way that ancient Rome disappeared, but they're still Italians, you know. <laughs> so, um, so, so, but, but the, the question is why? And, I mean, the, talking to some of the, the, old, the Mayan elders that we spoke to, whose job it is, is to keep the wisdom and pass on the teachings of their ancestors from, the, from one generation to the next, they actually said that, that, that they decided to abandon their cities, that they were unsustainable, um, that they were out of kilter. I mean, there, there, there is some evidence emerging now that they were suffering all kinds of droughts and famine simply because they were over-exploiting over the, the environment. Um, and they say they actually chose to return 
to to living in the rainforest close to the land. I mean, whether it was a, whether it was a, a very easy decision or whether they were kind of forced to do so by famine and, and, and drought is, is kind of a moot point. Chris, um, we are coming up on to break now. I, I know you're not feeling good. You going to stick around after the break? Yeah, or? yeah. No, I'm fine actually. I've had a coffee and a, and a couple of painkillers. <laughs> All right. So uh, we're going to take a break right now. You are listening to Ghost Chronicles International on Toji Net and Pararex. We'll be right back after the following messages. Maybe. <laughs> it's silent. Okay. Welcome to Toginet, radio with a cutting edge. They're creepy and they're kooky, mysterious and spooky. They all talk ugly kooky, the Parrax family. The shows are paranormal, not stuffy but informal. The topics are abnormal, the Parrax family. They're strange. Unrestrained. So grab your favorite brew. It's time to rendezvous as we give awards to the Bear X family. Being frugal doesn't mean being cheap, and the Frugalitarian is here to show you how. Jody Olson is the Frugalitarian on Toginet, 3 p.m. Central, Wednesdays. This is the art of great living. It's just a matter of time before people start asking you to tell them your secrets to better style, bargains on food, home decor, and clothing. Your wants don't have to change, just how you acquire what you want. On the Frugalitarian, it's an uncommon mix of style, fashion savvy, and earth friendly, showing you great taste, great style, and great ideas for finding everything you want for nearly nothing. I'm speaking from experience. I live on a beautiful farm where I take care of sheep and do a few light farm chores for extremely low rent. For more clever ideas on how to waste not and totally want not, go to thefrugalitarian.com. Join us every week for more information on how you can live better for less with Jody Olson. It's The Frugalitarian, Wednesdays at 3 p.m. Central on toginet.com. your host. Uh, Richard's phone lines are done again. I don't know what's going on with the UK. I mean, I've got Chris. Chris is from the UK, so I have no clue. Uh, where, where are you from uh, in, in the UK, Chris? Well, originally I'm actually from Scotland, but uh, oh, I've, I've, li- I've lived in all kinds of places. I've lived in Australia. I've lived in Mexico. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, London. Uh, these days um, in, in Somerset, which is southwest England. Yeah. Richard, Richard's from Derby, so uh, Derby, excuse uh, me. Okay, yeah, Derby, yeah. Spelled Derby, it's pronounced Derby. Sure. Yeah, you know what's interesting, Chris, I, I want to bring this before we go back to it, is that, you know, to, to, to us in the States, we think of the U.K., we think of, 
uh, England, Wales, Scotland, and Ireland all as one. But but you guys really don't think of it that way, huh? <laughs> well, some do, but but um, there's a kind of there's a long history there. Anyone who's seen Braveheart will know that there's yeah, a, yeah. there's a lot of people in Scotland who'd rather not be attached to England or dominated by England as they see it. And then same in Wales. I mean, England's quite happy, <laughs> but uh, you know, there's a lot of people in Scotland and Wales, and and of course Ireland. Everyone knows there's problems there. You know, that a lot of Irish people do not want to be part of. You know, a lot of Ireland isn't part of Britain, and the bit that is, half the people there don't want to be. So um, it, there's a long history. It's kind of a. It's kind of English. The English started colonising Scotland, Wales, and Ireland before they started colonizing the rest of the world. Uh, I guess that's <laughs> probably, one way to look at it. Probably, and, probably the best. <laughs> and, and in reality, do, uh, aren't the British French anyways? Well, lots of uh, people are from all over the place. You know, and, and I mean, but, but yeah. weren't they from the... A lot of, a lot of people's ancestry is, is French or European, yeah, sure. Yeah, well, um, I mean, and if you... To go back far enough, we all came from Central Africa, probably by the looks of it. You know, <laughs> from the Rift Valley, from Kenya. You know, <laughs> if, the, if that's what the uh, you know that's what the paleontologists say, we're all, we're all originated from Central Africa, no oh, East Africa. Sorry, the East African Rift Valley, and then spread out from there. There you go. Uh, anyways, you are listening to Ghost Chronicles International. My very special guest was Mr. Chris Martin, who has wrote uh, two books, uh, The Mystery of the Crystal Skull and The Cigarette of the Crystal Skull. And if anybody wants to call in, the number is 877-864-4869. If you have a question for us, 877-864-4869. Or you can join us live in the TojiNet chat room or the Pararex chat room if you have a question as well. So anyways, you were talking a little bit about the, the still the surviving Mayas and, and what they think of this whole mess. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I've just better recap, and I've also just got to, on my behalf of my partner, I've just got to put a minor correction in here. The books that we've written, The Mystery of the Crystal Skulls by Chris Morton and Kerry Louise Thomas, my partner, otherwise I won't be doing her a favour. Oh, yeah. And the more recent one, 2012, The Secret of the Crystal Skull, also by Chris Morton and Kerry Louise Thomas. But, um, yeah, I, I mean, what, what's interesting, we were just talking for those that have joined us maybe since the, since the break um, about the ancient Mayan prophecy. Um, that says that the current world will end on the 21st of December 2012. And there's been all, all kinds of debate about what form this end of the current world might take. Do we mean the end of the planet? Do we mean the end of our species, the end of our civilization? Um, and, 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 you know, there's all kinds of debate about what for, you know, the reasons that, that the current world might end. Um, but... As I was just saying before the break, one of the most interesting things that, that, that we discovered in our research about the crystal skulls is um, <clears throat> two things that really, I suppose, that we, we were invited to this um, secret, sacred gathering of indigenous elders deep in the rainforest, and they, they said that, that really um, the, the end of the current world, uh, we need to look to ourselves of why it's going to end, um, not just to these external planetary forces, uh, forces beyond our control, that the, the elders say that actually we need to look at how we are and how we as a species are living now and whether, you know, look at how far we are, if you like, not living in harmony with, 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 uh, with, that, with the earth that sustains us. Uh, and what was really interesting when we were actually at this gathering um, talking to the native elders we could actually see the uh, the rainforest being logged all around us, you know, and and so we were having this discussion about the end of the current world, and within a few miles, and we could like hear the chainsaws, and we could see the lorries on these new tra 
roads that have been put through the rainforest, taken the logs out of there, mostly to to make things like benches that sit in people's back gardens in Europe or America and just rot, <laughs> you know, and that we were taking this, the, the living world, this beautiful rainforest that was supporting thousands of different lives of so many different species was, was actually just being destroyed in front of us while we were talking to these ancient elders about the end of the current world. And it didn't take too much of a leap of the imagination to see how the current world might end. I mean, that, that rainforest provides... You know, the oxygen we breathe, you know, uh, it provides the plants and medicines that, that, that we often need. Um, and, and there's a haven to all kinds of species, not just our own. But so the, the, the elders said that what, what we're going through now is what they call the time of the awakening or the time of warning. They say that before the end of the current world, there will be a time of warning or a time of awakening when, when people will start to realize um, or, or need to start to realize what we're actually doing to this little planet that we call home. Hmm. And um, they said that the, one of the good signs is that the crystal skulls are reappearing, because they said the crystal skulls are actually a key to helping people see, a, a their connections just with each other. I mean, because we all have the same skull beneath our skin, you know, whatever our color or it's true. religion or race or whatever, um, or background, we all have that same skull beneath our skin, and we, we need to start start seeing that we are all one being, that we're all, if you like, one creature, one body, one animal, if you look like. And, and, and they said the crystal skulls, actually, if you spend time with them, and a lot of people have said this, if you spend time with the crystal skulls, you do start to see connections between things, connections you didn't see were there before, like this connection between yourself and other people or even between ourselves uh, as a species and the other species on the planet. Um, and, and they said this is, this, is, this, is part, this is really the main reason that the crystal skulls are here, and this is a great sign of hope, that although there's this potential for us to completely destroy our, our pla- ourselves and our planet, um, it, it, the crystal skulls are, help, are actually here to help us to awaken to a higher, what they call a higher form of consciousness, um, you know, a different way of thinking and a different way of seeing the world and a different way of, of therefore being in the world and behaving in the world. So, so they, you know, the native elders very much feel that, the, 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 that this is a time of awakening when people are going to start to see the connections between themselves. It, and, it's and funny you people. say that, Chris, because, you know, we, we hear so much now about the indigo children. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, is it uh, basically... A, uh, a new awakening of, of something that's always been there, or is it just a new name for for uh, uh, children who have always had the talents? Well, it's a good question. I mean, I'm not an expert on indigo children. I'm not even sure I entirely know exactly what they are. But, but you know, I understand they're children that show unusual talents and unusual right. perception and unusual uh, ability to kind of empathize with other people and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but that's, that's what I understood. Right. And, I mean... Hope, I mean, hopefully what we're seeing is a reemergence of a kind of ancient form of thinking. I mean, in a way, that's what the, the, the Maya and the elders were saying, that the skulls are here to help us to see the world in what will be a new way for us, but it's actually a very ancient way of seeing the world. You know, seeing like the, the, the state that we're part of a, a whole sacred web of creation, that we are part of everything around us, and we're not separate from everything around us, and we have to treat everything around us as, a, as part of ourselves, in a way, you know? Sort of you know? like the old Star Wars thing, you know, with the, the forces everywhere, and we're all... Oh, yeah, in a, in, a, in a way, yes. And, and I was trying to say what's also really... Something I found really fascinating was that um, 
they had, one, of, one of the other really interesting ideas that, that we came across in researching the crystal skulls, remember they said that the skulls were left behind by the earliest ancestors Correct. way back in the midst of time. Now, they, we actually kind of quizzed them a bit on who these ancestors were, and, and they say that, they, that according to their beliefs, our ancestors actually uh, are not uh, indigenous to this planet. We're not native. We, our ancestors came from the stars. Or at least half our ancestry. Ancient, interest, ancient. Yeah, and they, they say that they brought with them these crystal skulls, and, and they say that they actually, they don't just say any old star, they actually specify which star cluster they all came from. I mean, according to the ancient Maya, our ancestors came from a particular star cluster that was known as the Pleiades, the, the Seven Sisters, and you can see it in the sky, and they'll point to it, you know, second on the left after the dog star Sirius kind of thing. And, <laughs> bang a and, and, and you're right there. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and, and, and they say that our ancestors came from the stars, and part of the problem, part of the reason that we are not treating this planet the way other species who live on this planet are treating it, and part of the reason we're out of sync with it, out of culture, and why we're destroying it, like... Is is because we're not native. We're kind of an we're an alien species. So we are the aliens. <laughs> uh, we humans are aliens to this planet, and that's partly why we're destroying it because we haven't worked out that it's really our only home. <laughs> you know. Right. And and what's interesting talking about films like Star Wars. I mean, I don't know if anyone's seen Avatar recently, but very interesting. You know that the the James Cameron film about you know the humans are there on this other planet destroying it. You know. Um, and and in a way, the Maya are saying that this said this gave us this idea sort of 15 years ago that that's actually our human species mis- mistreating the, the, our own planet because we partly because we're we're not off this planet and so we we're not in keeping we're not in sync with it the other way the other species are and, and so we we will destroy it in a way that other species don't. Hmm. That's an interesting thought. Mm. Now, the other thing is, uh, we, we t- you touched on it a little bit. You talked about Atlantis. Now, I mean, uh, that's probably, the, I, I think it's, the, the, other than the crystal stars, of course, the, the biggest mystery of, of Earth, whether uh, Atlantis really exists or is it strictly legend or is there fact based on legend? I mean, the, Well, it's very interesting, like you say. I mean, the, the early, one of the earliest written references to Atlantis was actually Plato, the ancient Greek philosopher, writing in about 300 BC, and he wrote in two of his books um, and about Atlantis, and he said that this Atlantis was actually a real place, not just a myth or a legend, and that it was Solon, the great lawgiver of Athens, who'd heard about Atlantis from some ancient priests that he'd visited in ancient Egypt. And they said that we, you know, the ancient Greeks have forgotten about this, but way long, way way back before the Greeks was this civilization known as Atlantis, which they said existed beyond the pillars of Hercules. In other words, and they said in the Atlantic Ocean, they, right. in other words, outside of the Mediterranean. Um, and of course, the conventional history is that, that you know the civilization all came from the Middle East, you know, or from Africa, and Middle East, and and spread from there. But they they said that the the Atlanteans were actually an incredibly advanced civilization that lived on some islands, they said, that from which you could access the whole other opposite continent that surrounds the ocean, which many people have taken to mean, you know, the Americas. Um, and therefore that the islands, there have been various theories from, from the Canaries to the Azores to much closer to the States is obviously the, the West Indies. Uh, and, and actually, I, I saw a program where they actually thought it was part of... Uh, 
South America. I can't remember what... Oh, yeah, that one I'm not sure I'd go quite as far as that. Yeah, I know the one you mean. Someone seemed to think it was the Altiplano in Bolivia, but I don't think that was right, kind of pushing exactly. the point. Yep. I think that was not really surrounded by an ocean. I think, he was kind of, I think that was pushing the point. <laughs> 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 um, you know, interesting theory, though. I mean, you know, it, it could have some arguments in favor, but um, if you actually read what Plato said, um, you know, then certainly the Caribbean islands, uh, would, would be candidates for having been Atlantis. And as I say, the, we know that ice, the uh, sea levels rose at the end of the last ice age, around about 8,000 to 10,000 years ago. Right. Uh, and, and so and there were whole swathes of, of the world that was land then that is now under the sea. Uh, that's just a fact. Um, you know, if, if you're looking, well, I'm from Britain, and Britain was connected to Norway across the North Sea by land, you know, <laughs> before the end of the last ice age. Um, and then it got flooded when the glaciers melted. So um, it's perfectly possible that there was a civilization that, 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 that was, when you think about it, sit, the main cities of most civilizations are along the coast. So they're the first to go if sea, level, sea levels rise. That would make sense. So if Atlant, you know, the, Atlant, the main city of Atlantis would, would be the first, one of the first places to go if sea levels rose like that, which, they, which we know they did. Um, and, I mean, there's some people, I, there's certainly one theory that there's a little island of Bimini. Do you know about the Bimini Atoll and the... Uh, yeah, the Bimini Road. Or... The Bimini, yeah. There's some very interesting rock formations right. uh, off, off the coast of Bimini that some people believe are the, uh, the remains of seawalls that people were building to, to hold back the rise of the sea. So there's a debate about whether they're natural or man-made, but uh, certainly... An intriguing possibility that there, there was once, you know, there were great civilizations, or there was once a great civilization, the, the, the remnants of which, you know, probably only a small percentage of survived and passed on to other civilizations. And certainly, there could well have been a previous civilization that, that led to the, the great Mayan civilization in Central America, and they may well have been, who knows, they may well have been Atlanteans. Which is interesting. Uh, I mean, you have traveled to the the region uh, mm-hmm. uh, a lot, would you say? Um, well, what, what I find most interesting is, is just how sophisticated they were. I mean, you know, you get these great pyramids that rise way up above the treetops. You know, we're talking two or three hundred feet, and uh, they, they had this, this incredibly sophisticated system of, of, of mathematics. Mathematics is amazing. They invented the concept of zero. You know, they had these incredible... Uh, hieroglyphs that are just beautiful to behold, um, and they certainly had knowledge that I think we've lost. Um, you know, to, to be able to name the day based on the movements of, of planets and the stars, and actually accurately predict eclipses and so on. They, they were they were pretty sophisticated people, um, and um, they're perfectly capable, I think, of, of having invented the you know created the crystal skulls. Although interestingly, the Mayan. Elders say they didn't create the crystal skulls themselves, that they were actually pre-Mayan, that they were from an even older civilization. And, and they say that the, the, they actually got the crystal skulls from the survivors of Atlantis, or Atlantia, they sometimes call it Atlantia. Now, so let me, there's supposedly 13 of them. Now, have all of them been found in Central America, or are we talking other parts of the world? And how are they supposed to all be brought together for... Well, most, most of them are thought to have originated in Central America. I mean, we did come across a, a, a very modern skull that had recently been made in Germany, and we used that as a benchmark against which to, 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 to try and determine the, the age of the other skulls. 
But what was interesting about the modern one is they're so obviously modern. If you look at them under a microscope, you see you see these machine markings all over, and and they none of them have got this separate lower jaw. I mean, like I say, the, the carvers of, of the modern crystal skulls, they just couldn't possibly have done that. So. Um, so there are modern crystal skulls, and there are people selling them as modern, and, 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 and you know, that's fine. Um, obviously, the, the, there is an issue that sometimes there are modern skulls out there that, that people are either selling or, or pretending are ancient when, when they're not. And, you know, that does happen. Um, Believe but, it or not, I'm holding a crystal skull in my hand right now. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, interesting. I, I, don't did, think it, I don't think it's ancient, though. I, I could be wrong, but I don't think so. Yeah, I mean, the, the ones that are most likely to be ancient are the, the ones that are actually in museums. And, and also, well, actually, there's another one in the, several that we mentioned in our book. I mean, there's one in, in Mexico City that belongs to a, a very old Mexican family there that um, I, it, it's got a, it's interesting because it's got a cross impaled through its head, through its, through its cranium. Uh, yeah, and, and, and that was, we tested that at the British Museum, and um, the cross uh, is looks as though it's been screwed through as a later addition to this skull, almost like a triumphal gesture by the, the Christian, when the Christians arrived, they put their symbol of their religion through, you know, impaled it through the head of the, what, <laughs> the previous religion. <laughs> and the cross, uh, the, the silverware on the cross was, was dated to the early 1500s, so just after the Spanish conquest. And so odds are the skull beneath it uh, predates that. So definitely pre, pre-Columbian, as they say. Would it be the, possible for someone in the 1500s to be able to drive a silver cross to a, a crystal skull? Well, yes. I mean, they, you know, they, they had rotary carving equipment. They could do that, absolutely. I mean, you know, that, that's not, it's not, that, not, it's not impossible. I mean, they just drilled a hole into it and stuck a cross in. Um, so, but, but certainly it looks very much as though the cross is a later addition. And the skull is older, so the skull is, is before the Spanish conquest, so before the Europeans arrived in the Americas. Right. So, and, and there's also a couple of very small skulls in, in the museum, in uh, the National Museum of Archaeology in Mexico City, that, that are almost certainly ancient. Uh, there, there definitely are ancient crystal skulls out there. The big issue is telling the ancient ones from the modern ones, um, which, which can be sometimes straightforward and sometimes not. Now, I, I know there, there's some belief that uh, as we approach 2012 or whatever the, the time frame that these uh, skulls should be activated, that there will be actually some energy be, being given off by the skulls or, or being funneled through the skulls or focused through the skulls. Well, well it's very interesting because lots of different people have different reactions to the skulls when you actually spend time with them. I mean, if you, if you presumably the skull you've got in your possession, is it something you've had for a while or...? I have, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, uh, the, uh, interesting also that people say that they get something from crystal skulls, even, even if they're not ancient. You know, that, that, that there's something about the, the material of crystal in the shape of a skull that is somehow conveying to them something beyond words, if you like, something uh, that may, in some, some, some people say, they're even somehow connecting with the other skulls. And, and helping to communicate right. that, that deeper knowledge, that deeper wisdom that I, that I was hinting at earlier, the uh, our kind of understanding of, how, of, of, of our relation, you know, of seeing connections. I don't know if you've got this, but seeing connections between things that, that, that you didn't see before until you spent time with a crystal skull. That, that's that's interesting because I know a lot of uh, mediums, for instance. I know uh, Jane Doughty. Uh, she does a lot of uh, work with a crystal skull. She has a crystal skull. I'm sure it's not... Uh, one of the originals, but uh, uh, she does a lot of uh, her work 
using the crystal skull. Well, well, this is really interesting, talking about this idea that the crystal skulls are a doorway into other dimensions. I mean, if you think about psychics and crystal balls, I mean, the crystal ball probably has its origin in the crystal skulls. The crystal skull is probably the, the, the original, most ancient form of crystal ball that can be used as a device by those that have that ability to see into, into the other dimensions and, and therefore see, see what the future holds. Um, or gain at least glean advice and information from those from those other world. I mean, the the ancient Mayas say this. You know, this is very much you know what skulls are about is um, gaining access to the other worlds. Now, what those uh, other worlds are is is obviously a matter of some debate. But actually, but ancient... Chris, I, I wanted to retell a story that uh, mm-hmm. that really has something to do with the skull. Is uh, mm-hmm. we did this conference with Jane Doherty, and she did a, a seance with the the skull and everything else. Do you know what a mm-hmm. psychomanthium chamber is? A what? Sorry, psychomanthium chamber. Not off the top of my head, no. Okay, it's basically a, a small, small, small change, and it's all black. It has one tiny, tiny light in it. You, you sit in it, and there's a mirror in front of it. You don't gaze directly in the mirror. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, you know, use that to basically as a form of communication. Well, we were actually, uh, Maureen, who's a, a transmedia myself, uh, scrunched into one of these because we do these podcasts. And mm-hmm. I was in, like, all crunched down in the corner by the mirror, and I was looking at the mirror and, you know, uh, concentrating, and all of a sudden a mist began to form, and it formed into a crystal skull, which was wow. pretty amazing. And at that same time, uh, Maring, as I mentioned, is a transmedium. That's when a spirit goes into uh, a body and talks to her. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the same thing, it, it almost came from the mirror into her, and she began cha- tra- channeling uh, another uh, spirit. So, I mean, it's interesting that that skull would have the effect uh, that it did that particular day. So I, I understand mm. where you're coming from, uh, yes, by working with skulls and, and the power that they believe they have. Mm. Well, absolutely. I mean, well, the ancient Maya said they used the, the skulls to communicate with the ancestors. That was one of the things that they're for. So very much like a crystal ball being used in a me- by a medium mm-hmm. um, for getting messages from, if you like, the other side or from, from those that have gone before. Because right. um, the, the Maya actually say that the, the interesting thing is that in these, other, in these other dimensions, which you could call the realm of those that have gone before, uh, there's no time and fixed time and space like there is in our physical world. So they believe that the ancestors, if they could communicate with the ancestors through a crystal skull, they could actually see the future because in that other dimension there is not this fixed time and space so the ancestors can actually see what lies ahead uh, in a way that we can't. It's so funny that you mentioned that because uh, we were talking I believe it was last show about uh, back into the Bible when I think it was oh god I can't think of the name I think it was King Saul or whatever one of the the Jewish kings uh, he had banned all the uh, the, the mediums or, or witches from the kingdom, and mm-hmm. then he was going into a big battle, and he wanted to contact uh, one of the past generals or kings of, of uh, Israel, and so he went to the witch of Endor, and they actually made contact with this general who was supposedly going to advise him on the battle, but all he did was foretell of the king's death. So it's kind of funny how you say that. Yeah, that's that's what they used for communication to get mm-hmm. information from people uh, who have passed. Sure. I mean, there's actually a very famous carved stone lintel that the Maya, and beautiful stone carving in an ancient Mayan city called Yaxialand in southern Mexico. 
where there's actually a, a picture, and it even gives a date when this happened, and it's, a, it's an ancient Mayan noble, a woman named Lady Zock, and she's kneeling and she's holding a skull in her hand, which is probably a crystal skull, mm-hmm. and she's performing, they performed these rites and ceremonies. They actually did bloodletting to sort of um, get themselves in the right frame of mind. They actually would, would pierce their tongues or men would pierce their penises, which sounds pretty, pretty rough to me. Yeah. <laughs> but apparently this was part of getting into the right uh, altered state of consciousness for having, um, for experiencing what they called the vision serpent. Apparently um, in, the, in the right situation um, with the right state of mind, with the right psychotropic drugs, I believe, sometimes taken as well, and certainly the, the, the bloodletting. Um, the, um, the, 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 this woman, Lady Zock, is shown in this picture as holding this skull, and out of the skull is coming what's called a vision serpent. So a serpent, they said, would appear that would show them visions. A serpent would appear from the other world through the skull and show them what the future held. And, and then out of this serpent's jaws in this picture, this beautiful carving, is, is an ancient, one of her ancestors, and a great warrior, just like you're saying, a great warrior is appearing and advising her on what to do in some in the future. I think about a battle is slightly unclear, but but definitely um, <clears throat> the ancient Maya very much believed in using the skull and the, probably a, most likely a crystal skull as a means of communicating with the ancestors, with those on the other side, in order to glean information about the future. Well, I mean, Chris, they, I hate to cut you off, but you, you're not going to believe us. We're out of time. Oh, no. Well, everyone can read more in our books, The Mystery of the Crystal Skulls by Chris Morton and Carrie Lewis Thomas, or 2012, The Secret of the Crystal Skulls. And where can they get that, Chris? Uh, Well, Amazon.com, Books a Million are good. I don't know if anyone's listening in Canada. Chapters, Indigo, they're good. Talking of Indigo children. So, yeah, Amazon.com, 2012, The Secret of the Crystal Skull, or The Mystery of the Crystal Skull. And do you have a website? Uh, we do. In fact, the, the most recent one is called www.2012thesecretofthecrystalskull.com. Bit of a mouthful, but there we go. <laughs> no, that's great. I mean, uh, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show. Like I said, I know you weren't feeling good, and, and uh, I'm surprised you lasted this long. But uh, yeah, yeah, I am too, actually, Rob. <laughs> okay, but many, many thanks for having me. And I can tell by your passion that, that you enjoy the topic. And, oh, definitely. Uh, I, I recommend the books to everyone. Sure, great. So, uh, also, thank you so uh, thank your partner for me because I, I did not mean to not mention her. <laughs> no, no, no problem. No, it's a common problem. <laughs> so it's Chris Morton and Carrie Louise Thomas. All right, thanks, Chris. Okay, thanks a lot. Yeah, bye. Cheers. Bye. Well, that was pretty cool. Uh, can't believe it. So, anyways, uh, Richard, you missed a good show. Sorry. Anyways, tune in uh, on Wednesday when we have Ghost Chronicles Live, and we have a new segment. We will be doing the Paranormal News Live, but we will also have another episode of The Ghost of Gettysburg, and we'll have the list. So uh, that's on Wednesday at 8 o'clock. And we want to thank everyone, and say good night, and God bless. Thank you.
ghoulies to ghosties, long-legged beasties, and things that go bump in the night.